This week on the Vergecast, we talk about new MacBooks. We talk about the Nintendo Switch. We unfortunately talk about HBO Max. And we talk about a pretty wild email from Fox Hunt. That's the Vergecast coming up next. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Neelai, I'm going to direct you to the meaning of AI, 8K, and 5G. But then, you should leave us alone. 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 AI means new generation of ability and self-driving cars. 8K means smart safety and security through 8K technology. 5G means pioneering medical solutions and health cloud network. Leave us alone, leave us alone, leave us alone, leave us alone. It's just AI, 8K and 5G. What makes that so hard to believe? Leave us alone, leave us alone, leave us alone, leave us alone. Please leave us alone. Oh my god, I didn't have that. I don't think I've ever heard that part. Hello! And welcome to the Verge Cast, the flagship podcast of the Fox Control Society. I don't know, man. I'm Neilai, I'm your friend. Dieter Bone is here. Hi, also your friend this week. Sure. You can't trust that wily bone. Paul Miller is here. Hello. So that song was written for us by Jackson Hayes. You might remember Jackson. He wrote the CDA 230 song a few weeks ago. There's a lot to talk about. There's new MacBooks. There's new Switch. I just want to start. I, I, I don't know if you people listening saw my tweet from, I guess, a couple days ago when you're listening to this. If you haven't, you know, pull over in a car like a Twitter. <laughs> That's healthy. <laughs> but obviously, we've been covering Fox Hunt. A lot, right? It's like, it's where I'm from. If you're listening to the show, you know I'm very interested in what Foxconn is doing in my hometown uh, of Racine in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. And it is just, it, it's it's reaching like absurd levels, right? So last week, Foxconn's special assistant to the chairman, Louis Wu, gave this like interview in this like hazy campaign video you know, Terry Gu is like running for president of Taiwan. He's a he's CEO of uh, chairman of Foxconn. He's retiring to run for president of Taiwan. So they made this video that's like about how great he is. And this guy, Louis Wu, uh-huh. was in the video. And he mostly talks about how great Terry is and, you know, 
you know, the hint is like, you should vote for him president. But in the middle, he talks about Fox on Wisconsin. And he's like, we're not used to working like this. It's like we're in a glass fishbowl and we're the only fish, right? Like all this scrutiny. And like, <laughs> guys, like all we're like, literally the only question is like, are you going to build a factory? Yeah. Like that's not the most scrutiny in the world. <laughs> the problem is the answer is no. So like, yeah, it probably feels like a lot of pressure. So I wrote this story. Like he complains. He can't just change your plans whenever he wants to even though they signed a contract, it probably bothered some Vasa people. Then this week, the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, goes on CNBC and he's like, I have some clarity on what's going on with Foxconn. I've been to the site. It seems like they're going to make like tablets and phones. Maybe it's unclear whether they're actually going to build a display factory, but he's like, they're pouring concrete. You know, we we have some clarity. It's going to be 1,500 jobs. Okay. You might remember that Trump promised 13,000 jobs and that the factory would be the eighth wonder of the world. Uh, and now we're down to like, so now we're probably assembling some tablets and 1,500 jobs. So I can write that up. Like Wisconsin's governor says it's only 1,500 jobs. Foxconn has bought these empty buildings around the state called innovation centers for the AI 8K 5G ecosystem. Uh, no one knows that it. I mean, these are like the jokes now. Like I feel like when we write about Foxconn, I'm like a stand up doing a bit. <laughs> I'm like, it's been 90 days since Foxon told us it would issue a statement, and they didn't. And like, and you're you're on like the sixth city of your tour, and you're just like it's repeating the same jokes again because they're like nothing has changed, right? Yeah. And like when Josh Jezza, who's our reporter, who's doing more work than me on this story, uh, talk about it, we're like, the story is that nothing's happening, so we have to like make that interesting every time. So we we've just started to like build the, these little these little reminders of things, like shorthand. Like it's been 90 days since they said the buildings weren't empty. The buildings are clearly still empty. They promised a statement. They haven't given it to us. Anyway, so I put that out. It's one of the shortest stories I've written for The Verge this year. It is like maybe 500 words long. Like, here's the governor said. Yeah. It goes out, and the usual suspects like tweet it and retweet it. Great. Like, hours later, I get this email. The title is just AI 8K plus 5G. It says what you heard in the song. It says, Nilai, I'm going to direct you to the meaning of AI 8K plus 5G, but then you should leave us alone. And then in all capital letters, it says, leave us alone. And it says, it's seen in the time frame, and there's some time code of the video below with a link to a YouTube video. AI means new generation of mobility and self-driving cars. Why? I don't know. 8K means smart safety and security through 8K technology. What? Which is a tautology. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Uh 5G, 8K means 8K, obviously, guys. 5G means pioneering medical solutions and health cloud network which is incredible. And then in all caps, once again, it says, leave us alone. This is one of, one of the two wildest emails I've ever received. <laughs> now, to be, you don't, you can't say who this is from. It's from like an anonymous, it could be, it could be a completely anonymous troll or it could be like from the president of Foxconn. You have no idea, right? So the reason I just like tweeted a screenshot, I have my suspicions. The reason I just tweeted a screenshot is from a ProtonMail account, which is like encrypted email. It's totally anonymous. I can't like, look at the headers or anything like that. There's a name here. The name is a Taiwanese name. Um, so, you know, like it says us, this language is a little stilted. You know, so I, I just like have my suspicions that it's somebody who's very irritated with me mm-hmm. who works at Foxconn. You know, like my tweets delete, you know, like I would never put this on the verge and say like Foxconn is mad at me. Right. Like I can't, I don't, I can't support it to that level. Right. Right. But I'm happy to like tweet it and say maybe Fox, which is my tweet. Like I think maybe Foxconn is mad at me because this is hilarious. This is by the way, the second email I've received in the past week that suggests I should leave Foxconn alone. <laughs> uh, and the first one I, it was, that one was actually from a person. I don't, I, I think they were just like 
a concerned citizen. So this is like to me, first of all, the, the video that they sent that says we can explain AI AK 5G is a video that Foxconn made. It's a rendering. It's a concept video. They wanted to show like the people of Wisconsin about how great the factory would be. This video is nuts, right? It's it it looks like they're building an entire city from scratch. The main office is a sphere, like a like a sphere in the middle of a lake. And the only way to get into it is to take a self-driving car around a track that goes into one tube. Like, and then there, there's like a display plant behind it, and there's like mm-hmm. there's like schools and like it hospital zones. Like it looks like a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. It is obviously not the thing they are building which is one box in the middle of the field. Um, also, like, I just, if I worked in an office and the only way out was to run through a tube and to get into a self-driving car, I'd be like, I'm never, I'm not going to work. Like, what if there's a fire? Well, hang on. You're, you're in a sphere in the middle of the lake. You just break the sphere and jump in the lake if there's a fire. Yeah. Come on. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, go watch this video. It is, it is, it is indeed uh, fanciful. Um, and then, like, you get to this part where it's, it explains, and this part where he's like, as seen in our video below, this is where it explains AI AK 5G. It's, it is just a series of icons. Like, mm. it's not an explanation. It's just like icons show up on screen, and it says, like, new generation mobility. <laughs> so instead of, like, telling the people of Wisconsin what this means, you're supposed to find this video on the Mount Pleasant YouTube channel, which has, uh, at last I checked, nine subscribers. Whoa! <laughs> to get this like fanciful rendering to the end where these icons light up, and then you're supposed to be like, "Oh, it is true that AI means new generation of mobility," and that because I haven't grasped that, I should leave them alone. Other thing about this video, I just want to point this out, is that the first time they like published it, this is absolutely true. Someone pointed out, I believe it was like a Wisconsin state assemblyman was like, Hey, those images of a park are just stock footage of a park in England. Hold <laughs> 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 it down. And they just like the city of Mount Pleasant just like left it up. Right. So like they're pointing this video that they had to like retract because it was fake. Anyway, I'm just leaving you with AI means new generation of mobility and self-driving cars, which is not what AI means. I mean, self-driving cars use AI. I, I'll give them that. Yeah. yeah, and 5G, like, you could have pioneering medical solutions and a health cloud network. Those would involve 5G. Like, like, like a health cloud network would be health information in the, in the cloud, and you'd access it over 5G. Pioneering medical solutions might be doctor telepresence, right? Yeah. What I don't understand is if you get an 8K Vizio, how does that improve <laughs> smart safety and security? <laughs> that's that's what stumped me. Well, then you can see the robbers and crystal clarity. <laughs> and you obviously you can hear them through multi-channel. Sur- I don't know. I, I actually don't I, buy that 5G means pioneering. Med- like it, I, None of this means anything. Right, First sure, of all, they're sure. supposed to build a display plant. Right. Stepping back just a little bit, I really wish we were building some of r- real things, not buzzwords, but real things in the United States. That would be a really cool outcome. So far, it does not look like that is the outcome of this situation. But I do really want that outcome. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if they were do. I mean, it seems like they're going to do something, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're digging up a lot of stuff. I just don't think they're building a fanciful sphere office and a self-driving car system. Like, I, I just, I, I don't. 
Right. And I, the upside down nature of the whole deal with Wisconsin, a, they were not ready for the scrutiny that would come with like, right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Louis Wu saying we're in a fishbowl. Like they were not ready for, we're going to sign the biggest government economic development deal in the history of the country. And then people are going to pay attention to us. So on Foxconn side, that is ridiculous, right? Like, of course you're going to, people are going to pay attention to that. It's like every like the the local papers are doing a good job. Bloomberg is covering it. The Wall Street Journal is covering it. We would cover it even if I wasn't from Wisconsin. The fact that I am is like we're definitely going to cover it. Yeah, <laughs> but like right. So that like of course it's the biggest deal of its kind. And then the second part is like they they haven't lived up to it. So they they signed a contract to build a generation ten point five LCD plant, which would make like sixty five and seventy five inch TVs. They're Absolutely not doing that. So they've already breached this contract. Now that you know the new governor has to like make good. They've spent billions of dollars in forward infrastructure investment. They've given them other kinds of tax credits that aren't tied to, to the job numbers. So you know, like everyone kind of needs this to work out. I just think they're ridiculous that instead of talking to everyone about what they're doing and making a plan and keeping to it, they're they've absolutely stonewalled the press. Like virtually no one can talk to them. And then clearly. Someone is so angry about the scrutiny that I'm getting all caps emails that say leave us alone about their nonsense buzzwords. And I so Paul, it'd be great if they built stuff. Yeah. I just think it's obvious the amount of incentives layered into this deal, right? The the enormous biggest ever tax incentive package extended in America was still not enough to convince them to build the factory that they said they were going to build. Right. Mm-hmm. They decided they would go the other way. And everyone should have seen that coming. Right. Like everyone on both sides of this operation should have seen that coming. And I think, you know, like Wisconsin Republicans are like, see, the deal's working. We don't pay them because they didn't do it. And it's like, guys, like you don't say because the contract failed and we pulled the safety valve that this is a good situation. Right. If you were, I don't know, think about sports. Like if you are an NFL GM and you sign a player and you're like, he's going to throw 50 touchdowns and get an X number of million dollars and we're going to win a championship, your goal is for the incentive to push the player to perform, not mm-hmm. at the end of the season, be like, well, we lost most of our games, but I saved a bunch of money, right? Like that, that doesn't, that's not actually success. That's just like the safety valve. Well, the counter or the opposite perspective on this is why would Foxconn get itself into a deal and buy buildings and buy property and pour some cement if it's not going to do anything with it? Like clearly Foxconn is going to, is going to look look for its own profit. So that might, if it decides that it got partly into this and decided it wouldn't be profitable, it might stop doing it, right? Yeah, I mean- But it's, th- it's, it's not buying buildings for no reason. Well, yeah, it's, it, it's building, they can't tell you what it's doing because it's right. building a portal to the upside down <laughs> to some of the Demogorgon, <laughs> to Mount Pleasant, mm. obviously. Smart safety and security through AK technology. 8K is a reference to the Demogorgon. That those are the those are the <laughs> occult phrases that you chant to summon the monster. It's Paul. I'm with you. I, I think maybe some of the context there is uh, there's a trade war going on, and they mm-hmm. got to give Donald Trump a gold shovel and say this will be the eighth wonder of the world, and he is uh, not a focused gentleman, right? Like he had that moment. He thinks it's going to be great. He's going to keep saying whatever he wants to say about it, and the reality on the ground can be totally different. And that's a pretty good deal, right? They they bought some land, they bought some buildings, they get some 
goodwill from the president who is in the middle of a trade war. And they, you know, that's like a pretty good investment. They can wait it out to 2020 and see what happens. Right now, they've only I mean they committed to 13,000 jobs and they're only going to do 1,500. Right. Like the, the counter to your counter is they're going to do something. It is an order of magnitude smaller than the thing they said they were going to do. That's a pretty big deal. Anyway, the point of this is I got a deeply hilarious email that screams, leave us alone. It is the most communicate like forward communication from Fox on we've received. Uh, and Jackson wrote the song. Jackson's incredible. Can we just play a, a bit of that song? 5G means pioneering medical solutions and health cloud network. I think now that you've heard it again, you really get it, don't you? <laughs> they should hire Jackson. People have been telling us that we should hire, but I think Foxconn, <laughs> we should hire. He's, you know, he's out there in the heartland, singing in bars, doing the college circuit. It'd be great. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jackson. Please keep making us songs because they're great. And anybody else wants to make a song uh, with the easiest mark in the world. Uh, so just give them to us and we'll play them on the show. All right. There's actual hardware news. Yes. It's pretty exciting. It is Fairly exciting. Nintendo is making a Switch Lite, L-I-T-E. It is $200 instead of $300. The controllers are not removable, right? The Joy-Cons, there's no more Joy. And you can't plug it into a TV. It's significantly lighter. Uh, the screen is a little bit smaller. It's 5.5 inch instead of 6.2 inch. So, But it's the same resolution. Um, it's supposed to have slightly better battery life and it's not clear. It, so simultaneously, Nintendo is also like doing a, like a, an invisible refresh of the regular switch. Like it's, it's a small enough modification that they can file with the FCC. It's just like, Hey, we just move some stuff around on side, but we promise you it works the same. So there might be like a new, um, a new chip in, inside of it that is somehow more efficient. It also, you know, like you're getting rid of all the complexity of the um, the Joy-Con charging and stuff like that. So that might just save you the battery life right there. So that's uh, oh, and no kickstand. Well, is the kickstand really a loss? Let's be honest. <laughs> the kickstand is not super useful on the current Switch. Maybe I they hear put the, a kickstand on and it just snapped off. Uh, Andrew Webster, like. I think I had to look at it and, and got one of the, the stories on it. He says that um, take one of the Joy-Cons off a current switch and you have a sense of about how wide the switch light is. So it's oh, about that size. I didn't size. know it's that much narrower. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty small. Do you want this? Who's this? Is this for, for, for the children that you don't quite love enough to buy a $300 <laughs> switch for? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I want this because I'm a crazy person and I want everything Nintendo okay, makes. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I also travel with the Switch a lot uh, last you know year and a half, and um, I've been trying to carry a smaller bag so that I'm less tempted to put more crap in it. And so having the big mm. Switch like really filled that bag up. But I already have a Switch, so number one, to be silly for me to buy this, this isn't for me. Uh, right. Number two, if I did buy it, I just know for a fact that I would be in for a lifetime of pain and suffering trying to get games from my main Switch onto my second Switch and making sure my save files were consistent across them. Do they have any cloud game save stuff? Sort of. Because I was thinking what I want is the opposite of this. I want the $100 Switch that only plugs into a TV. Mm. It doesn't have anything, any built-in controller or something like that. But with a, in theory, I'd have that and I'd have a Switch Lite. And I, you know, <laughs> instead of... A, Why don't you just buy a Switch? Because <laughs> <laughs> it looks... Okay, the Switch is heavy. 
Um, and uh, I think I had another reason. Oh, because if I buy a Switch, it's $300, and then I'm going to want to get the Pro Controller for $60, right? So I'm paying $360 when, when with the $100 Switch... Um, well, we need another word. <laughs> well, well, switch box. With the Switch box... Um, mm. I, I'm paying $160 because I get the Pro Controller and the Switch Box, right? Because the Switch Box comes with it's just a it's just a rogue. But then <laughs> you want to buy a $200 Switch. You've you've quickly arrived at the exact same price point. Yeah, but now I have two Switches. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> right. I see what you're saying. And I do not like the wireless. I've talked about this. This is the smallest problem to have with a console. But I do not like the wireless connectivity of the Joy-Cons with the original Switch. Yeah. I, so I never take the Joy-Cons off my Switch. I never plug it into a TV. I only, Really? Yeah. It just, I, I've, tr- I've thought about it. Yeah. And then by the time I've like kind of like done things, I'm already playing the game on the Switch. I'm like, I'm not going to like take it out of its like, because it lives in my backpack. I'm not going to take it out of the backpack, take it out of the case, like unclip the Joy-Cons, put it in the thing. And like, I might as well start mm. playing, right? Like it's yeah. a, it's a fun thing to play on. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people plug it in TVs. I'm just saying, for me, it's like I kind of want to switch light, but what I am a little nervous about is like it doesn't have motion controls, right? Like, yeah. And I do like the screen size of the Switch. So, I, like, I don't, it's not for me. Like, I'm not going to buy another one. I do think the inability for games, like, particularly save games, to go back and forth easily. I think Bowser told Andrew in his post that they were going to work on it. Like, they, it's obviously yeah. not a problem they had, and now it's a problem they've created for themselves. So, like, it makes sense they're going to work on it. Um, but right now, it is it is quite difficult. Well, yeah, it's also it's confusing because they're 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 hanging on to the 3ds. That's fine. That makes a bit of sense. Um, but going forward, you know, if I'm a game developer, am I really going to like work hard to come up with a cool, innovative way to use the Joy Cons? Maybe. I think yeah, it all depends know. on. I mean, I'm sure Nintendo's going to tell its developers what the split is, right? But you want to hit the total, the biggest market you can. So mm-hmm. I imagine, you know, like there's a lot of games that use it now. Nintendo's first party games are usually pretty good at using all the stuff. That's what a lot of people like to buy. I can't imagine like Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever is not going to not going to be pretty crazy with it. But yeah, I, the sort of like indie game renaissance we've seen on the Switch. Are those people going to target the big market? I'm sure they are. I just think the hardware, it looks cool, right? It's like, I think Andrew said in his post, it's like, it's the refinement you expect of the second gen product. It's a little bit smoothed out. It's a little bit uh, tighter. It just has that, Paul, I think you say this about Apple all the time. It makes the old one look bad, Mm. right? It kind of has that vibe where it's like, oh, this is the way, this is the way I want it to be. I think that's really cool. And I think the price point is exactly right. Dan Seifert said it. It's the number that when the kid wants something for Christmas, the parents are like, yep, you can have that. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, yep, 199 that's exactly right. Like, everybody gets one of these for Christmas. That's perfect on Nintendo's part, especially because Switch sales were, were kind of slowing down, right? As they would at the cycle, part of the cycle. Yeah. There's also rumors of something like a Switch Pro, right? Which I don't know what the Switch Pro is. That's your Switch box. That's a $500 box with an AMD processor. <laughs> 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 it's going to sit under your TV. It runs well, Steam OS. <laughs> it's pretty clear that that Switch Pro is not coming this year at this point. Okay. Right. Okay. Especially if they're they're hardware cycling the original switch. Yeah. So I mean I look, I think the thing's really really interesting. It was way more controversial than I expected it to be. I expected everyone to be like, this is great, it's cheaper, it's smaller, and then there's this like 
mass consternation over whether something called the switch that doesn't switch into TV mode can be called. And Dieter, I know Mm. that you had some extremely deep feelings about that. I'm not going to not just look. (laughs) (laughs) We don't record a a, a podcast where you can hold back your emotions about (laughs) the, the weird things you studied in college. Nintendo created a thing and they gave it a name. That name was inspired by a thing that that thing did. It switched. But the name of the thing is the Nintendo Switch. And there's no, like, necessary connection between the word switch and the physical object. Or even the thing Mm. that the physical object does. (laughs) They could have called it the Nintendo, you know, Changeo. And then we'd be angry about the word Changeo, right? Yeah. Yeah. in the same way that there's like no like mystical connection between the word apple and an actual apple, there's no mystical mystical connection between the name switch and a physical switch or the thing that the switch does. It's just uh-huh. a brand name. And what else would you have them do? <laughs> would you have them call it like the Nintendo 3DS Max Max? Because then people people would be confused. Wait, hold they, on. Yes. They had to call it the switch. <laughs> the Max Max. <laughs> the double Max. Max Imax. My poor daughter. You know, what, can I just say this before? Well, I, I'm very eager to hear your point. I just want to say this for the record out loud. Mm-hmm. My daughter yeah. will outlive all of this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and that is very important to me. Okay, Paul, go ahead. I, I literally hadn't really considered seriously how much I would want a switch box until this came out. Uh-huh. Because I felt this liberated me. Because I thought, well, before, if I had thought up of a switch box, I would have thought, well, it doesn't do it. It's not a switch. <laughs> not that, and I agree, Dieter, not that words are bi- are a binding, like a brand name is a binding contract on, like the Wii, I think was named after the like emotion you're supposed to feel. But I played a lot of games on the Wii. <laughs> Didn't, did not make me feel that great. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I've, I've, I feel like my life has really been expanded now that I know that I could have had a switch box all along even though it's called a switch. See, and it makes okay, no this sense. is the counter to Dieter's argument. The word switch was confining your mind. Mm, yeah. Right? And now Nintendo, they they broke the, the barrier of what that word signified. And you're like, yep. oh, my mind could have been expanded this whole time. Right, mm-hmm. but maybe now I'll lose focus, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll come up with all, all sorts of crazy ideas. Like, what about a switch for, for Excel? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I would love the only thing anything. that matters about a word is if people understand what you mean when you say it and how it relates in the network of other words. Right. Name one single person who is actually confused about what switch means when the switch light came out. Nobody was confused. Therefore, the word is effective and it means what you, what it means. It means that right. thing, the switch light. Right. No, it means that thing but light. What if they right. had called it the light switch? Does this <laughs> does this cause a problem for you? Because I would suggest so much better. the Nintendo Light Switch would have maybe not accomplished what you are suggesting the name accomplishes. I think that would be so good. I'd be 100% for that. Look, if you're mad about them calling this thing the Switch, you have to be mad that the Xbox isn't actually an X-shaped box. Hmm. But it was originally. Mm. Yes. It did. But now it's not anymore. It's true. All right. When Elijah Wood made the Xbox, he wanted it to always be an X. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's been another game console discussion on the Vergecast, everybody. Uh, the thing is great. It's coming out soon. Yep. We'll review it. Uh, the thing about not being able to, to... Paul, your Switchbox idea doesn't work until they build the software service to move games around the cloud, right? Which is hilariously the one place where Apple is better at video games than everyone else, right? Like, say what you will about Game Center. If you have an iOS device, it will sync save states across games pretty well. Yeah. No one else does a good job of that, as far as I can tell. Um, so one nah. one half point to Apple. Um, but that's The problem it. is Nintendo is, like, way worse than everybody else. The, Nintendo builds its entire software stack as though you're going to buy one console. It's going to belong only to you for life. And there will never mm-hmm. be a problem with it, and you're never going to switch consoles again. I bought a, a used Wii U for my little brother, and it was it was the trial of my lifetime, like to to hard reset it to to be like a brand fresh console. I feel like that was I forget why it was so difficult. I feel like it had like some 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 stored state on it that I couldn't effectively erased because I couldn't log into their account. I don't know. It was it was bonkers. Paul, can I just clarify? The trial of your lifetime was <laughs> yeah. re- factory resetting a Wii U. Yeah. Uh, I have factory reset a Wii U myself to sell it, and Paul's not wrong. Paul, <laughs> but I just want to say, Paul is uh, like our friend who quit the internet for one year. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine. Where's the, was that the second hardest <laughs> trial of your life? That was a breeze. It, it, it seems now, in retrospect, it seems like we should all take a break. Speaking of taking a break, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some MacBooks. Support for the Vergecast comes from Shopify. Whether you're a huge company or a small crafter trying to make a buck off your hobby, selling online is one of the best ways to grow. Shopify is one of the top e-commerce platforms that you can use to get started. But it's not just online. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And you can sell wherever, online or with their in-person point of sale system. You can also sell more with less effort with their AI-powered tool, Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. You might recognize more brands who already use Shopify, like Rothy's, Brooklinen, Allbirds, and more. Millions of entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries rely on Shopify for their e-commerce needs. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash vergecast. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash vergecast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash vergecast. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. All right, we're back. Dieter Bone. Yeah. There are new MacBooks. You have there one. are two new MacBooks. Which one do you have? Uh, I am reviewing the MacBook Air, the new 2019 MacBook Air. Uh, Dan Seifert is reviewing the new 2019 MacBook Pro Entry Pro, Little Pro. We don't have a name for it. Here's what happened. Uh, Apple updated the Air. They added a True Tone display to it, and they dropped the price by 100 bucks. And then they took the MacBook Escape, which was the MacBook Pro that had the actual button function row and only two ports on the side, 
and they put the touch bar and the touchpad on it, and they updated the processor, and they left it with just two ports. And that, I don't remember the exact price there, but it's like 200 bucks more than the Air now. So those are the two computers that are new. Alongside those things, the most important thing they did, in my opinion, is instead of updating the MacBook, the little itty-bitty MacBook, they just murdered it. <laughs> they killed it. <laughs> Brutally just destroyed it. So you, I, I think I, I saw you say this in uh, Slack. Okay. You were like, the killing the 12-inch MacBook yeah. is Apple walking back its entire five-year plan for these computers. <sighs> I think so. Can you defend that? So, okay, it all stems from the very first computer of this new generation of MacBooks was the MacBook. It was the first one with the keyboard, the new design, the new, you know, they like tiered the battery. And most of all, they just called it MacBook. They didn't call it MacBook Air. They didn't call it MacBook Ultra, whatever. They're like, this is MacBook and everything else is like MacBook Pro. And that was like meant to be like the default. And in the intervening years, the keyboards went sideways. Apple forgot that people like processor updates and like spec bug <laughs> updates and so just didn't bother making those. They very clearly like didn't know what they wanted to do with this lineup. And you could tell they didn't know what to do because their best-selling Mac was the one that was not part of this new generation. It was the MacBook Air <laughs> forever. And so they finally updated the MacBook Air and just made a, you know, either a, a, a slimmed-down MacBook Pro or a beefed-up MacBook MacBook. Take it. I think it's more of a slimmed-down MacBook Pro. Called it the Air, threw it out into the world, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what we want. That's the, the thing we've been asking you for for five years. And so, of course, they, they, they're killing the MacBook because they're like, oh, well, people just want this thing. And this vision of the future of what Macs are going to be, we need to, like, turn that dial down a little bit, go back to the other kind of keyboard, and we'll do that stuff next year. In the meantime, uh, at least we've got, like, a normalized lineup. I, so I think that the main problem is that the, the Air brand name is too good. Like, yeah. people love the MacBook Air. They love the name. They know what it is. It's the default computer. It's it's the Joanna Stern for $200 more. You can get a MacBook Air, right? Like, it, it is that computer. And so they what they should have done was called that. Oh, my God, Dieter. This entire show is about what words mean. I just realized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry. The, the thing known as the MacBook Air should be the yeah. MacBook. Yes, the, it should. The little baby should be the MacBook Air, the ultra portable. That's then, correct. And then you have a MacBook Pro. But the that's right. The word Air is too powerful. It creates mm-hmm. it. It constrains your mind, and so yeah. you can't think to yourself, "I would like a mid-range modular Macintosh without a screen." It's <laughs> so an Apple will never make it. Like the mid-range yeah. tower will never happen. I mean, the Air brand is so strong, they had to bring it back to sell a parts bin version of the iPad, call it the iPad Pro from last couple of years ago, call it the iPad Air, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, if we put Air on it, people will buy it, so here. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, completely confused the iPad, like, product lineup. There's, like, iPad, now there's iPad Air in the middle, and then there's iPad Pro and Pro 12-inch at the top. It's like, did you need that? It's like, there, why is that there? there? There's an alternate history version of this, Right. Okay. Because I had the very original MacBook Air. 
It was eighteen hundred dollars, and it was a piece of garbage. The one because, with the fold-down ports and all the all the yeah, stuff. I had yeah. that. Yeah, but there was, was the two best. generations of that. The first yeah. generation of it had horrible thermal problems. Uh, this is not a new thing for Apple to have horrible thermal <laughs> problems, and it. So it would throttle the CPU, but it had it didn't have enough cores, so it would just hard freeze until it cooled down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so the Mac first MacBook Air was awful, but the second MacBook Air was good enough, and and, mm-hmm. and I feel like th- with this this MacBook RIP, the MacBook if if it ha- it started out where it was not powerful enough to really do what you wanted to do with it, mm-hmm. if a year later a much better Intel chip had been on offer and made it much better in the same form factor, do you guys think it would have become a popular and good thing that people wanted? Or was it just somehow weirdly too small? No, I, ultra portables are a thing. People love them, right? And you can price them higher than a normal computer and people pay a premium for the size. Yeah. So I, I, I think the, the performance- The was just too expensive. Yeah, it was too expensive. And the performance was bad. I mean, but so yeah. I bought that original $1,800 Air uh, for Becky when we were dating. She stayed with me. Um, <laughs> so I really overcame that. I bought her that, you know, the you know, second or third iteration of that second gen MacBook Air design. She loved that computer. It was the only, like, she never wanted to upgrade. We, we wrote it to its death. And then I yep. bought her a MacBook. And <laughs> she hates that MacBook. She has never not complained about that computer. It is the only Mac of its size, right? Until the new Air just recently came out. So now I might get her the new Air. But the size was the thing, right? The MacBook Air in its moment was actually a very small computer compared to the compared to the rest of the industry. It was right. not priced with that uh, ultra-portable premium, but she could, like, fit it in her, her purse. Like, she's, like, a big purse person. She could, like, throw it in a purse. So then I was yeah, like, I'm going to buy this MacBook. You can fit it and other things in the purse. Have you thought about that? <laughs> um, and so, like, all that is great. I think if they wanted to keep the MacBook around, they should do the thing that we've been kind of predicting they would do forever, which is put one of their ARM chips in it, right? Because we, we see that on the iPad Pro. is like, vastly more powerful than the MacBook. I just don't yeah. – they're not ready to do it, right? Like, What if, what if the ARM laptop – it revives this form factor, but it's called the iBook. Ooh, see, mm. see, that's like that's very powerful. I'm I'm super into that. But yeah, but here's the thing: like, why not just make a clamshell iPad Pro? Because the mm. iPad is for touch, and the Mac is for mice, and they won't meet except for the fucking Touch Bar, which we should talk about. <laughs> okay, the Touch Bar is annoying. Mine freezes all the time. Uh, I don't think it's because I've like tried. I've I've tried a couple of utilities. Everyone tells me I should use better touch tool, and I'm sorry. That shit is just too complicated. At least it was the last time I looked. I'll try it again. There's another one called POC that just takes your dock and puts it in the touch bar. That's kind of cool. Um, but I have gotten zero percent benefit. My life is zero percent better because of the mm. touch bar. Yeah. And not having a real escape keys are a huge hassle. So it's funny. So there's not a MacBook Pro now with a hardware mm-hmm. escape key. Which, right, so all the pros have the touch bar, the Air does not, and there's no MacBook. So that's what you can get from Apple. You can get a MacBook Air with, you know, physical function and escape keys, uh, Mm -hmm. or you can get a MacBook Pro with a touch bar. Yep. It is funny that we just came out of WWDC where Apple made a big show of, like, we love our developers, we're listening, here's this great Mac Pro, the whole thing. And what is the one thing developers complain about the most with the MacBook Pro is they want a hardware escape key. 
and now you now you cannot get a Mac laptop with, for you know suited for pros with hardware escape key. Right. I suspect this will change. Right. We've heard the butterfly keyboard is going away. Like now that Johnny I right. is gone. Right. The whole Apple ecosystem gets to just admit a bunch of things. Right. We all get to ad- admit that iOS 7 was a mess, like regardless of how dramatic it was at that time. And I assure you it was very dramatic. Uh, very dramatic to say it was a mess at the time. Everyone yeah. gets to blame the butterfly keyboard on Johnny Ive. Like that's just what we've decided to do as a, as a family, I guess. Um, so the next keyboard will have scissor switches and be a little bit thicker because, you know, Johnny Ive, Lord of Thinness is gone. Like maybe, maybe that's the case. I think Apple just screwed yeah. it up for three generations, right? And they, like, they were like, "We can make this work." We've we've gone all the way to like we made it out of a new material, um, yeah. and we co- co- covered it in rubber. Like, whatever. Sorry, I find that whole that whole re re evaluation to be very funny. Um, but anyway, but he's gone. We hear there's new keyboards coming, but these keyboards are they're still third generation butterfly, new material, rubber covers, like. We'll see if they're more uh, reliable, but they're still yeah. they're still missing the thing. There's still there's still no escape key for the people who have most loudly complained about not having an escape key. Right. If you want to buy a Mac laptop right now, you are basically faced with a bunch of really difficult choices. If you're just like the average consumer, go out, spend eleven hundred dollars, get the Air, and you're fine. Right. Mm-hmm. The end. Cool. As long as you're happy with that storage. If you want something a little nicer, well, for two hundred dollars more. <laughs> You can either like upgrade the air a little bit or you can get that entry level MacBook Pro, which by the way, we need a better name for than entry level MacBook Pro, like the two port pro. Two port pro, that's what we're gonna call it. Yeah. The two port pro. Mm, nice. Um, which has a much, much better processor and has a touch bar, but it also has a better screen that actually can get above, you know, four hundred nits without like screaming. It actually is bright enough to see. Or and if you're on the high end and you're a pro user. You can buy, you know, either one of the MacBook Pros right now. It's fine. But you know that everybody that's, like, plugged into, like, the Mac rumor mill has been assuming there's a 16-inch version of the MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. a basically a 15-inch version, bigger screen, you know, so it fits in that case, with the scissor switch keyboard coming. I don't think we should expect it this year because they just refreshed a couple of MacBooks. So I think that's they're done for the year as far as the Mac goes. Um, but next year it's going to come. And, like, the default advice whenever anybody says to buy, wants to buy a computer is if you need one right now, buy one right now. There's going to be – there's always going to be a better one next year. But, like, it really seems like there's going to be a lot of better ones next year. Yeah. And th- so when they start coming out with Scissor Switch MacBook Pros, how long are they going to keep the MacBook Air on the butterfly keyboard? Like, how long is there going to be, like, this weird decision matrix that you're going to have to make of, well, do I want to spend more and get the good keyboard or spend less and get the other thing? It's complicated. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine if they're, if they're going to do the big refresh of the, the Pro, that they'll just bring that keyboard everywhere, right? Yeah, but it's going to take them, you know, at least a year. Yeah. Yeah, I just if, – if, if it's a year out, then they're going to do it to all of them. I think yeah. the big question is whether the 16-inch Pro will, will have an escape key. Whether well, whether it will bring back some of the physical keys that Pro users have been complaining about not having. Because literally there's like one person I've ever met who's like, yeah, I love the touch bar. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he had a deal with Apple. So like what do you want me to <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't, I don't know. I can't prove it. But, you know, like it's one person. I think about like literally like, I, you know, this MacBook I bought, Becky is like – it's dying. I got to get her a new one. There's no way. It doesn't matter what the other benefits of the MacBook Pro are versus the Air. If I put a touch bar in front of her, she'll be like, what is this shit? 
Right. And like maybe that will be the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) There's also like a bunch of like givens that we bequeath unto Apple without thinking. A bunch of like, oh, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to argue about that because we know Macs can't do that. Like unlocking with your face. Every Windows computer over $1,000 just has a version of Face ID that's relatively secure, and you can just unlock it with your face. And, like, that is not on any Mac. There is no, you know, roadmap of it coming to any Mac, even though they pioneered really good face uh, unlocking on the phone. Um, And it's just like, yep, okay. Like, really? We're not mad about that? It's very odd to me, like, the, the things that will just grant Apple. Like, the bezels are actually, like, they're fine. They're not that big. But, you know, every other <laughs> computer manufacturer except for Microsoft has figured out a way to basically get rid of them on laptops. Yeah. Something I've been noticing because I've, I've been shopping for a laptop for a while, but uh, I haven't really found anything I really like. But a lot of the Windows laptops are a lot lighter than Macs mm-hmm. with the same specs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, they are not as rigid as a unibody aluminum laptop, but sometimes you're okay with that. I mean, yeah. I really like this is the moment where, like, is Johnny Ive the the tyrant of thinness that everyone is making him out to be now to excuse all the problems that Apple has had? Or is this just Apple's strategy? Like, we're going to find out. It's going to take years to really find out. But that's what I mean. Like, the idea that all every bad Apple product is like because Johnny Ive is a a person who loves thinness, it's just starting to take shape. You can feel it. And I'm like, no, this is Apple made a bunch of these decisions for years. Like the decision to kind of ignore the Mac for a little too long was that wasn't just like Sir Johnny Ive decided that was what was going to, that was like the whole company made that bet. And now yeah. we're just kind of at like this place where everyone sees that we have to really rethink the Mac. There needs to be, like, innovation people actually really want, hardware innovation people really want coming to the Mac. So we've got the Mac Pro. That's great. Like, you, you definitely did that. I'd like to see a little bit more of that on the laptop. The touch bar just, bleh. Yeah. There's, there's too much cool stuff coming out of the other divisions of Apple, and it, it makes the Mac seem dowdy by comparison. Except for the Mac Pro, which nobody should buy because it's, you know, 15 grand. <laughs> Look, if you got $14,000, I highly recommend the Mac Pro. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think the MacBook Air is going to sell like gangbusters, right? It's still the default laptop. It's a good computer. Mm-hmm. If you have an iPhone, you can get your iMessage on it. What more are you asking for? Like, it'll it'll run a web browser and iMessage. Go forth, college students. It is back to school time. You get some freebies. Like, that. I think that product is fine. I think it's this other end of the Apple ecosystem that is still coming into focus as, they, as Apple itself, like, rethinks what a pro Mac should be and, re like, recommits to that part of the market that I think everyone always knew, but Apple didn't quite understand drives so much of everything else that they need yeah. to have happen. Like you can't yeah. write an I, an I, Oh, sorry. You can't write an iPhone app without a, a Mac, right? Like until you solve that problem, you should make some really great Macs for those people. Cause you really need them to like be happy with you and stick around. I think we're Apple's finally like understood that. Also, you need like a special FPGA video accelerator card. Cause why not? That's super important. All right. Speaking of Apple, uh, they kind of put the the cap on a pretty big security story this week, uh, which is actually like a number of, hey, we can turn your camera on without you knowing security problems this week. Dieter, you want to walk through what's going on with Zoom and, and some of the other stuff? Yeah. So a uh, security researcher had disclosed to Zoom that there was this thing that he considered a major vul- vulnerability uh, 90 days ago. Zoom hasn't really fixed it. So he went public with it, um, which is how it works. And... There was like 
a 24-hour period where people, like, Zoom had its take and people were freaking out. Basically, the short version is it would be possible if you visited a malicious web page for that web page to open up a Zoom meeting with you and have your camera on. Like, that's the, the TLDR is, like, someone could open a camera on your Mac. There are a million caveats built into this. So you have to have allowed the default to having your camera on be set to on and you didn't uncheck that box. Um, it has Somebody has to figure out how to code the thing into an iframe, um, you know, ba-da-ba-da-ba. So that's troubling. Anytime anything opens up your camera, that's like, that's like red alert. Same thing with microphones. But then on top of that, it turns out that Safari recently, you know, set, changed the way that it handles URI handlers, you know, the things that open up other apps. So you have to, like, click, yes, I want to open up the other app every time instead of just automatically doing it. Um, and Zoom was like, oh, man, there's an extra click here now. People are going to be confused and annoyed. And it's going to cost us, you know, the actuaries tell us it's going to cost <laughs> us another, you know, $500,000 per whatever for our 4 million customers. So we need a way to solve this problem. And the way that we're going to solve this problem is we're going to put a web server on every Mac that has a port open that listens for um, a call from us or from whomever, apparently, and then can open up automatically the Zoom software. And that works around this problem. Okay. Well, a web server on your Mac is not great. Well, no. A web server on your Mac is great. Installing a web server without telling the user that you have installed a secret web server is not great. Right. And an insecure web server that is uh, able to take commands from any website on, an op- on its port is also super bad. So there's many bad things about this. If you are like, this is creepy as hell, and you uninstall Zoom, they just like forgot to build in the part that uninstalls the web server. No, no, no. They did, it on, they uh, did that on purpose. <laughs> by forgot, I mean they did it on purpose. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Because if you click a Zoom link, the web server is like, oh, you want to open a Zoom link, but you don't have Zoom. Here, let me just install that shit for you again. And then pop up a Zoom conference again. So I will say, in the abstract, all of this is very clever. Uh, yep. Let's just give them credit. This is a set of, mm-hmm. like, video conferencing is bad and hard. Uh, and most software sucks. Zoom is the most popular. We we are Zoom clients. We use Zoom. I will personally say I don't understand all the hype because it's still video conferencing software, y'all. Uh, it still has all the problems the video conferencing has. But people love it. They just IPO'd. Mm-hmm. Part of it is they like solve these little hiccupy problems. Like you get the link, you click it. You don't have to install the software. You don't have to like monkey around. It just like happens. Great. Yep. So on one aspect is very clever. On every other aspect, it is incredibly stupid, right? Super, super dumb and bad. And to me, the heart of it is this is the trade-off. The trade-off of the open platform is a company like Zoom can say, hey, we have this problem that people have with video conferencing. How do we solve it? And they did the cheapest, fastest, dumbest way of solving it, which was installing a web server on your computer that can itself install other software without you knowing about it. That seems like a mistake. Uh, and it can also, uh, if all that is set up you know, the right way, can just light up your camera without you knowing. Mm-hmm. But the platform's open. Like, what is the, like, I, you know, Apple has this like App Store antitrust lawsuit. Like, this is the defense, right? We yeah. have to control the platform because it prevents this, this kind of thing from happening to iOS customers. Now, does that mean iOS is perfectly secure? It does not. But does this problem not happen in iOS? It does not. Because Apple will not let you install a random web server without, actually at all, but certainly not let you install background processes without its explicit approval. Mm-hmm. 
What is what is interesting to me is Apple did push the update to kill the web server to max. So Zoom put out an Zoom was gonna they were like holding firm like there's nothing wrong with having web server on your Mac. Chill out. And then 24 hours of people going what? Uh, they're like okay no we're we're we're, we're issuing an emergency patch. Uh, it will uninstall the web server. We're not going to use it anymore. We're sorry. So all that's great. Except remember if you have uninstalled Zoom at any point in the past whenever then the web server is still there. And even if Zoom issues an emergency update to their software, you're not going to get it because you don't have it installed <laughs> anymore. So Apple had to go and you know pat, silently patch all Macs to get rid of this thing because there is no way that Zoom is able to reach all the, all the computers that have its silly web server installed on them. How do you feel about Apple reaching out and silently updating a bunch of Macs? They've been doing this for a while. What, they what, they what do it for emergency stuff all the time. Like uh, there was there was something pretty high pry. I don't remember what it was. Th this is what you do for security vulnerabilities, which is what this is. Mm -hmm. I feel like Zoom has discovered a zero day on computers <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> like it, it's a zero day that involve you. You do no. have to install some software, right? But then you have a. a, a what feels to me like a Trojan on your computer running that is remote controllable by Zoom whenever you visit a random website. Um, so really remote controllable, I mean, not unlimited controls, but remote controllable by anybody who can figure this out. Uh, it's terrifying and awful, and it's a security hole. Like, th this is not like, I. If, if you try to build a website, right? So you, you're just a regular web developer, um, and you, 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 you serve up on a local host, a local server, you serve up your website, right? And then you try to get resources from another domain. That's that's a cross-origin resource. The, the web browsers are specifically designed to limit that sort of cross-origin because that's how you would get like a like a script injection attack or something like that. Like a really rogue ad would try to mine Bitcoin on your computer or something like that. So th this feels exactly like a security vulnerability. And instead of reporting it, Zoom used it to add functionality to their software. And now that we all know about it, Apple is patching it out. That's what it feels like to me. Okay, that I mean, I Paul, I would say that is I'm surprised that you have that particular view of it, right? Only because, like, one, the platform is open. The Mac is structured such that you are able to just install any application on it, right? The web server is just another application. So, like, well, and that that works. I mean, a, a open software requires a higher vigilance by the user and by the community in general. Um, so like, you know, like, especially like super open platforms, like, um, like Debian Linux, for instance, every package that's available from the command line pack, because they have something that's like the app store. Uh, it's like a package manager and every package is audited. The code is audited, not just the like, oh yeah, we trust these people to make good software. No, they look at the code because when you install packages in an open source ecosystem, you typically compile it yourself. So the, the Mac is, is, is sort of in between because you're trusting a lot of binaries uh, to, to do things. Um, but I do think the Mac is doing a good job. What, what I feel like should have happened here is it's not typical for a desktop application to spawn a second process that stays open, that leaves a port open forever. I feel like that's a permission. 
I, I do. I guess I do it a lot in development. Like I start up local web servers all the time from the command line. But that's the sort of thing I feel like sh- should at least require admin privileges to like. You should have to enter a password. Yeah. Um. To to do that sort of thing because you're opening a a listening port on your computer. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's. I mean, like we we have been talking about open and closed platforms, and you know there there is this antitrust action around Apple. Like we just talk, we we talk about a lot. Here's a case where Apple's own open platform, something that you can do, like it wasn't hard for them to do. It was not smart of them to do, but it wasn't right. They didn't have to like jailbreak the Mac to do this. So you just do it. Right. They're a little, they're being a little clever here though. Yeah. Yeah. Something about like the local host, like requesting image dimensions or something like that. Like, they're not just doing a straight web request to localhost. I feel like they're doing something a little fancier than that. Okay. Well, I mean, um, but you, they could do it, right? Like, they didn't have to, yes, like, yes. they didn't have to, like, find an actual vulnerability in the system. Right. Um, which is what you, like, to jailbreak the, the uh, iOS, you have to, like, actually go through a vulnerability. And now Apple is saying, well, actually, we're still in control of this environment. So we're just mm-hmm. going to flip the switch and remove this thing. That's, like, a pretty interesting hybrid approach. I think, Dieter, they, they, they might have done it before. This is the first time I can think of where this like pretty widely used software is the subject mm-hmm. of that type of control, right? And, the, yeah. and they're saying- like they, they've, they've, I think they've pushed out bugs for like, oh, wait, there's like a, there's a zero day or there's like a vulnerability in something, something. But I don't, I don't, I can't remember an instance of them specifically targeting an app. SSL vulnerability or something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. There's some other stuff that happened that, I mean, like- Apple had to shut off walkie-talkie on the Apple Watch today <laughs> because it could light up a FaceTime call without you knowing. Uh, and then there, yeah. do, do you want to go through? By the way, I use the hell out of walkie-talkie, so I'm very upset about this. I might, I think I'm the only one. Um, yeah, I've tried to set up walkie-talkie with my wife uh, on and off for the past six months, and we just like are never in the same room at the same time to like be like, all right, let's take 20 minutes and figure this out. And so we just, we just never use it. Um, it is not actually great to set up. Yeah, I think I think that's why like most people. Well, also it's hilarious because your wrist is talking to you. Um, so that might be a problem. But uh, it actually takes a second for that request to go through, and that delay is enough for you to be like, whatever, I'm done with this. Um, yeah. But Dieter, there's like a there's like a Google Home scandal. I don't know. It was scandal <sighs> a kerfuffle? A well, dust up. the kerfuffle is. Man, okay, so turns out that more than just servers listen to some of the audio that goes into a Google Home. And Google contends that it they have like, you know, 0.0 something something percent of stuff. Uh, they have translators listen to it, uh, you know, real humans, and something something, uh, somebody leaked a bunch of this audio that they had been reviewing, and it had some some scary stuff. And, you know, somebody, some Dane got it, and it, it got on TV, and it caused a whole thing. And one, I can't speak yet to did Google actually, you know, break any privacy rules or do anything super nefarious here, except two, yo, it just you got to be way more careful about telling people what the hell is going on with microphones and cameras, right? If you've got humans listening to microphones, just tell us and make sure we're aware of it. Put it in a relatively visible pop-up box so when people freak out about it, the whole internet goes, oh, yeah, well, there was that box. You missed it. Because those two things are red lines. Yeah. Like when Google accidentally put a, you know, forgot to tell everybody that they had a microphone in a nest box, <laughs> complete and total freak out. Right. Mm. When Google, again, (laughs) uh, had the Google Home Mini accidentally register touch and then record a whole bunch of like random, you know, voice snippets 
complete freak out. We demand shutters on the cameras and all of our smart speakers, not because like they can, they can like move a switch that will electrically disconnect it and it's just as good as putting a, a camera shutter over it, but we don't trust that. We need a cover. Anytime anything touches a camera or a microphone, every single tech company on the planet needs to have like a, they need to have a, a giant pool of people like a, and they can just call them up and they can be like, we're doing this thing. And then that person, you know, for, they'll be good to do this, for, this job for about two weeks because after two weeks you get a nerd to it. But that person's job will be like, what? And if they hear that person say, what? Then they need to either change what they're doing or fix their disclosures or fix it. And after two weeks, you hear like, oh, we're doing this thing with the microphone. You get a nerd to it. And so that then that person like gets paid and moves on and they get the next person in the pool. But every tech company should just have a giant line of regular human beings to call, like we'll call up and give them $500 and you say, we're going to do this with the microphone. And if they go, what? Then you don't do it. Yeah. So the, thi- the thing I, I'm... I'm stuck on it. It's like a philosophical thing. It's like the first thing you brought up. Everyone knows that when you speak to a Google Home or an Alexa device, your voice, you know, gets sent to a cloud mm-hmm. and then the computer listens to you and then it, it turns on your lights or sets a timer or whatever, right? Sometimes they like, don't do a good job. They flag it and they pass it to a human being to be like, what was this? And that seems to trip this huge psychological, like, what is it? I mean, you're still having Google do it. What is it about a person listening to an anonymous voice file that like sets us off? Because I agree, they should absolutely like this is so dumb. This is if I think Google's uh, stat was like 0.2 percent of requests get passed to the people, right? If it, it's if, actually a huge amount, right? And so that first of all, they hide behind percentages constantly right mm-hmm. like apple's like only one percent of keyboards fail you're like that's a mil it's a million it's a million keyboards so, <laughs> like, so point point two percent is two out of a thousand right yeah okay so yeah. even if the number and they sell a lot of these things and assistance on you know every android device so like potentially a huge number right yeah. but whatever so if google stat is that if if they're out there claiming it's just a small percentage point it's not that it's not that many calm down then why can't they say every time you pass this thing? Why can't you know the assistant say back to you, I didn't quite catch that. Do you mind if I send that to a human reviewer? And you can say yes or no. That's what your well, that's what my laptop does. If if a program crashes, it asks me, would you like to send a report? Yeah. And 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 if I was uh, you know doing something that I didn't want anybody to know about, that I don't. Or if I'm just not feeling friendly that day, and I don't want to help these assholes who made a bad program, then I say no. If I'm feeling really <laughs> magnanimous, like I might even describe what I was doing and send off the bug report. Yeah, but I have the choice, except for all the invisible tele- telemetry that's happening, anyways. But Who's I believe it? I I feel like I have a choice. There's a great. Uh, how I work with Jad Abumrad. You should find it. We'll stick it in the show notes or something. I'll, I'll find it. But Pro Tools crashes on him all the time. And he's like, I spent hours a day just composing these like rants in the Pro Tool crash dialogue box. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're wonderful. I'll find it. I'll give it to Andrew. We'll stick it in the show uh-huh. notes. It's, they're worth looking at because they're, they're hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like they're, they've reduced the friction. They, there's no user interface. Like if you have a, 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 an Echo Show or a Google Home Hub, there's absolutely no excuse right they can just put up the ui and say we didn't get that click yes or no if there's no if there's no display the thing has to talk to you 
but there's still no excuse, right? Because you know, I, I agree mean, with you. This it, is like make this it is part the of line. the. I know, I know that onboarding on these devices is getting worse and worse. But sorry, like you got to put one more step in there that says, hey, if we detect, if we are unable to figure it out, do you mind if we send your audio to a human reviewer? And you can just globally say yes or no. No, I, and then everybody I, will say no. I absolutely disagree. And then, it should no, not be global. Think so? It should be per instance. Okay. Absolutely per instance. Because huh. if yeah, it right. if it is the one, you know, the, the, this report, you know, it was like people arguing, right? It, it was like yeah. there's a bunch of stuff where it like accidentally triggers and it's like we didn't figure that out. We want to send it. You do not want that to be a global yes or no. Like that is the heart of all yeah, these problems. That's fair. It was a Belgian public broadcaster, by the way. I got that wrong earlier. Yeah. Uh, 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 focusing on people who speak Dutch and Flemish. I see. Hmm. Paul, what are you going to say? I think the thing to do is you run a nationally televised ad that says, okay, Google, <laughs> and then you uh, re record uh, everybody <laughs> all at once and you spy on every. Just think of how great of a way that would be to spy on like an entire nation. I guess it's not everybody has one, huh? Everybody dumb enough to use a Google device, <laughs> <laughs> you can spy on everybody. Because, I, I mean, that's the thing. I, I was so young and naive and stupid, and I thought back in the day when all these companies started wanting so much personal information in order to improve their products. One, I thought it would improve their products. And I don't really think – I think it's marginal what the sort of improvements we get. I think they're really overstated – by these companies of how much they benefit from this the loop of spying. Um, but two, I thought that if they get caught doing bad things with data or, or being non-careful, which is this scenario, with data that they gather, that there would be such a backlash that they would be completely punished for it and therefore even less likely to do it in the future. What would that backlash look like, Paul? Would it, would it look like... Competition. <laughs> it would look. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think that my big failure there was thinking that backlash is somehow effective. And what really we have is just outrage cycles that quickly cool off, and people yeah. forget to still be mad because they have nowhere to go. Just right. as a reminder, that, right? There's Paul. I think what you're advocating for here is a national search engine. <laughs> I, I want. I want. I want it to be known at this very moment that I backed. A open source doesn't spy on you. Uh, home voice assistant called Mycraft, like three years ago. That's in like Kickstarter dev hell. Like they're still working on it, and I still get updates, and I still believe in the project. But um, yeah, <laughs> Kickstarter. Okay. On that note, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. We got some stuff to wrap up on. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. 
helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, we're back. Paul Miller. Mm-hmm. Every week. That's right. There's a segment of unparalleled consistency, of deep repetition. It, it's almost, the, the it, it has a harmonic rhythm uh, mm-hmm. as you as you overlap because of the, the deep parallels every week. What's it called? It's basically like meditating. It's called Adam and Book is Best Book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, man. So, so there was a... a one of the apparently the hottest posts on the verge.com i don't get i don't see the traffic numbers but i'm assuming 165 <laughs> comments this is a pretty big deal on the verge.com a website um vio announces tiny laptop with tons of ports yeah people mm-hmm. love this stuff so vio is a comp is a, a, an independent company it used to be a, a brand owned by sony but not anymore so remember that um made a laptop that looks like a <laughs> Vio is so good at moving very, very slowly with its design language. And, and so you get like these moments where it's like retro chic. And this is one of those moments. Um, so this is the SX12. It's like a 12.5 inch uh, laptop. And what's cool about it is it just has a ton of ports. And there's this top down photo. And it's got VGA. It's, it's got, got VGA. HDMI. It's got SD. I mean, that's kind of a some reason it's, that's a Japanese thing that they've really held on to VGA way longer than anybody else. It's got a bunch of like real USB ports. It, it's got it's got one of those fold down um, Ethernet ports and stuff. Uh, but as cool and exciting as this laptop is, I mean, it seems like it's just for the Japanese market, so it can't be that exciting. Uh, but it, it, it's it's beautiful to see this many things plugged into a modern laptop. Um, but there's a comment of the, um, uh, that, that said that this reminded them of the admin book, which I had not seen. Have you guys seen the admin book? I have not. No, this is new to me. The admin book is this concept this guy came up with for a small notebook for a system administrator. And it is the most, it is a manifesto. It is a, a laptop that he's designed in like CAD. He's done the measurements. He's figured out the internal specs. He's figured out everything for this. This came out in like January. Um, but uh, it's a laptop for system administrators. It does everything. It is, it, it, it sounds like a ridiculous wish list, but he's so serious about it that you want to believe that it could happen. So it's got stuff like you can plug, it's got HDMI in, so it could be a monitor, you know, it's for people who are like showing up to like server boxes, plugging into them, like fixing things. It's got like exposed SATA ports. It's got, um, a PCIe plug. Uh, it's got, um, uh, it's got like a a mount. You can mount on a a tripod, you know? Um, it's got, it's got like a real serial, it's it's it can emulate a keyboard so you could plug it into a key a computer and then it's your keyboard and mouse and monitor 
Um, it could work as an external drive. Like remember when Matt, and it just, it just made me realize like how many things laptops could do and they don't. And I think a big part of it, like nobody's probably ever going to make the admin book, but I do think a big part of it and kind of gets back to what we were talking about before. I feel like we could have a, a, an, a, a laptop that is an inch thick that could be really cool. It doesn't yeah. have to be as heavy as old timey laptops, but it could be an inch thick and which the admin book is an inch thick and it could have, you know, it could have basically MacBook Pro style specs, but it could cool them very effectively with a lot more room. It's got room for more battery, but it doesn't have to be filled with battery. It can have all sorts of wonderful ports that we we miss. Like, uh, you know, serial port sounds dumb. Like who used serial port? Well, anybody who programs microelectronics uses serial port. They typically have to have an external USB port. And, and you could probably make do most of the admin book by making some mega dongle yes. with USB-C. Make a mega dongle. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's just really cool. It's just, it was it's, I was very inspired reading the admin book manifest. I like how you went from a real product that's shipping in Japan to I was inspired by this manifesto, <laughs> and I that's that's what we've come to expect from your segment every week. <laughs> I do can, I do want to clarify one thing. This is. Yes. There is literally no correlation between the number of comments on a post and the traffic it receives. Really? Historically, even back in our Engadget days, literally no, like it is, it's just all over the place. You, it, I, I, I've never understood it, but it is true. Is comment number more like a, a a metric for controversy? I I mean, we, the, I think our commenters, now I'm going to lie with percentages. It's great. Uh, commenters represent 0.1% of our total audience, which is still a huge number because we have a big audience. And, but like, if you think about that percentage, they can be very active on a post, but it doesn't translate into like overall traffic. Uh, so it, it's like if, if we write about a uh, Windows phone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Tons Something of Something that appeals to, okay, I get it. I but get it. like it won't turn into, but I think this, I think it did well because a laptop with a VGA port, like anybody right. who's like driving by the verge is like, wait, I got to, I got to look at that. Mm. <laughs> so I think it did well, but it is true. This is a, a true fact. I don't, I, I don't think we'd mention that very often. So I want to point out, okay, yeah. some things to wrap up on. Dieter, you reviewed the Xperia one and we saw a picture yeah. of the Note 10. Uh, yeah. It looks like it doesn't have a headphone jack. No headphone jack. We also don't know what the power button is going to be. There's a lot of confusion about the power button situation. There doesn't seem to be one. Maybe it's the Bixby button is going to double as power button. I love Voice the activated. Fact that if you screw up the Bixby button, you turn off the phone. It's like it's such a deep reflection of where Bixby is. It's like a metaphor. Uh, and then, yeah, the Sony Xperia 1 is a 6.5 inch 21 by 9 phone that I love. And nobody should buy because it's nine hundred and fifty dollars, and for nine hundred fifty dollars, you definitely deserve a better camera. Oh. I just saw the the oh wow! How does Sony make just, all the sensors, but they can't make a good camera? This is the first it's time software. I've used a Sony phone in basically ever where the camera wasn't like an embarrassment. It's pretty good, uh, but it's not good enough for nine hundred fifty dollars. It's just a software thing, though, right? They're using I, the best hardware, right? I I just saw the um new Spider-Man movie, which I forgot that Sony still on Spider-Man. And so, but it's this great, like alt, alternate universe where people use Sony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the new Sony earbuds, by the way, do look dope. 
Yeah. Noise canceling earbuds, pretty expensive, big case, whatever. They look amazing. They sound amazing, according to Chris Welch. He made a video. You should definitely watch it. Uh, the fact that they won't connect to more than one device at a time is what breaks my heart with them. Yeah. I mean, that's why you need that proprietary H1 chip. <laughs> Welcome to the ecosystem. Actually, whenever, you know how Apple, like Max used to boot up with like the, like the big startup chime. They've changed it over the years, but it used to be like an orchestra. Now yeah. it should just say welcome to the ecosystem. Tim Cook, yeah, if you're like listening, that. now that Johnny Ives out, you know, you need a new experience designer. Think about it. Hmm. I have spent this entire Vergecast waiting to troll Neelai with the name of AT&T's new streaming service. <laughs> HBO Max has nothing to do with Apple computers. <laughs> I hate hmm. it. <laughs> but poor kid. Here's what I thought about with with Max. My, my daughter's name is Max. You don't know. Um, uh-huh. A, she's gonna outlive all of this, which to me is a victory. Um, that's so that's good. So she won't know about it. Like there's a real chance she will never know that there was an iPhone 10s Max, right? Like she just it won't it won't it'll be a glitch. It'll be like I don't know t- walking up to a teen right now and be like Walkman and they're like What are you talking about? I am walking. Um, that's you see what I did there. Okay. Wow. Uh, anyhow, and then there is like these words become trendy, and so like Max is super trendy right now, and it means mm-hmm. nothing in the context of HBO. Like, what don't you want from HBO? More like like extra Walmart crap, right? And that's what they're yeah. doing with the service. It's going to have like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and Friends. They're pulling Friends off of Netflix. All these other classic like. Warner properties. It's deeply confusing why they're doing this HBO. The logo, go look at the logo. The logo is the worst logo in the history of the world. It's it just, is. It's, it, the HBO logo and then the word Max with some gradients on it because that's cool. But the X is just wide. Yeah. It's just a really wide X. <laughs> they're like, the word Max doesn't suggest more. What if the <laughs> X was really wide. So you're like, yes. In theory, the negative space between the A and the X could look like a play button if you really wanted it to. No, but no, no one was that thoughtful with this logo. You have now <laughs> spent more time thinking about this logo than any person who worked on it or approved it. It's also going to be like $18 a month. They're going to need to fit that HBO Max logo into a round rec icon, and that's going to be the oh, God. So like this is this is the dark side of my calls for increased competition, right? Sometimes you get it. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, like, yep, there's a lot of competition in streaming TV, and it looks like a notable AT&T streaming service, HBO Max, and Quibi, and like Oh, like, oh, yeah. I wish it was all Netflix and Netflix had a monopoly. (laughs) Whoops. Like, sometimes you get what you ask for. This would be a scenario for one of, like, Peter Thiel's good monopolies, which is kind of hard to... uh, It's a short book, but, you know, Zero to One is about uh, making monopolies that are good for the world. Um, mm. he, he forgets to mention the part where he like harvests the blood of the young and destroys media properties in that book. <laughs> right. the, but the trains continue. run on time is sort of Peter Thiel's well, thesis because, in this because book. Because in a scenario with perfect competition, where you had a billion undifferentiated competitors, right? None of them would be com- would be profitable. So that that doesn't quite work. Um, 
But there is something that seems very uh, un, at least annoying about how many different TV things there are right now. Well, I think the answer is some of them will shake out. I mean, Gone90.biz is available. Right. I think you recently yeah. updated it. Yep. I, what's funny is that there is at once massive consolidation in video and in intense competition. So mm. it's it's kind of like a worst of both worlds situation where AT&T now owns Game of Thrones and Friends, which is just seems horrible. Like that's a I that's a dystopian sentence. For the crossover. Just wait for the crossover season. Oh, I mean they're they're gonna do horrible things. Like they're gonna make zero rated Courtney Cox friends spin-offs for mid-range Android phones. Like actually that sounds great. <laughs> that's, that, it doesn't. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem great. So like you see this like massive consolidation of like huge conglomerates owning these services and then trying to but it's going to shake out. I think it will shake out very fast. Like these things aren't going to, mm-hmm. this moment isn't going to persist for more than a year. And there's already, I mean, I, I think New York mag ran a piece. It's like piracy's back baby. Cause no mm-hmm. one's going to pay for all of it. And that's just going to be a thing. So anyway, the point of this is my daughter will outlive HBO max. <laughs> I just want to say that very clearly. <laughs> it's horrible. Last bit of news, speaking of AT&T, we're going to track this pretty lightly. I'm just going to mention it quickly. It's something we're going to pay attention to, and I, I want to flag it for the listener. Um, robocalls are a huge problem in the United States. Uh, we had Jeffrey Starks on the Vergecast, FCC Commissioner Jeffrey Starks. He said it's the number one complaint the FCC gets. So the FCC recently passed a rule saying, okay, carriers are allowed to start blocking robocalls. They're allowed to start doing some stuff. There's some other FCC stuff happening, like uh, they want them to implement this framework called stir shaken, which authenticates calls. So you can't get fraud. You can't like spoof numbers that's coming down the mm-hmm. line. But right now the rule is, okay, we're allowing carriers to start blocking. Cause there was some question of whether blocking calls on the phone network would like violate FCC rules, but the FCC passed this thing immediately. The question was, you said they were allowed to do it. You didn't say they had to do it. And he definitely didn't say they had to do it for free. Right. Mm-hmm. So now they're allowed to do it. But they don't have to do it for free, which is like, how do you, what people want? They just want it to stop. Like, they don't want to like pay, like, okay. So that was our angle when the FCC passed this rule. Like, I wrote the post. I was like, it is unclear whether carriers are charged. The carriers didn't say much, which is a bad sign. And now we're finding out, okay, AT&T is rolling out its robocall prevention stuff. It is basically an extension of what it already has called Call Protect. I have Call Protect. Call Protect is in two tiers. There's a free tier, which lets you manually block numbers after you determine that they're bad. I do it all. I do it all the time. Um, and it says spam alert, right? Or suspected fraud. Like that's what Call Protect does. You can pay them, and it'll block those calls automatically. So now everybody's getting the free tier of Call Protect. You don't have to like download the app and sign up for it anymore. They're just rolling out the free tier to everyone. But if you want the actual thing, which is for your phone to stop ringing with bullshit. You got to pay AT&T. I think that is that is absolutely bad. Like, that's not the outcome any consumer wanted, which is now we're going to tell you about this bad thing that's constantly happening to you. We're going to tell you it's spam. But if you want AT&T to push the block button for you, you got to pay the money. I think th- I think we're going to see way more action on that because that is some classic cell carrier, mobile carrier upcharge bullshit. Right. Yeah. That is, there was a very famous David Pogue article in the times. I was just about to bring that up. That exactly. Yeah. Um, where if you push the wrong button on a Verizon phone 
and like lit up, like made the automatic call to like the Verizon service, it charged you and people push that button accidentally all the time. And Verizon was just dinging them. It's the same exact motivating idea, which is there's a thing people want. It's really annoying. We can just scam money out of them because we'll tell them it'll stop because now we're allowed to do it. Bullshit. They should just turn They It should roll out for free to everyone. I mean, it's crazy. So we're going to track it. I don't want to overdo it. It's the news. That's the backstory. Starks, Commissioner Starks, has a, a, a pending order in front of the SEC saying it has to be free. You know, he's, you know, the, the it's a Republican commissioner right now under pie, so probably not going to go anywhere, but it's there's already some movement. But I think people mm-hmm. should be aware that pie thumping his chest that he did something at robocalls. All he did was give carriers permission to charge you to block them instead of actually solving the problem. Anyway, that's my, that's my final FCC rant. How, wait, what? I, I'm still a little confused because you could pay them already to block. You could. So yeah. Right. So that pie again, he's like thumping his chest. He's saying, I, I gave the carriers permission to block these calls. So they're going to do it now. And kind of the unspoken thing was like, they're already doing it. What did they really need permission? Yeah. But before the way they were kind of getting around the, the uncertainty was call protect was free, but you had to go get it. I had to download the app. I had to sign up for it. I had to push. Okay. Now they're just rolling it out to everyone because they, they, they have this sort of like clarity in the, in the regulatory space, but to actually block it, you have to pay them, which again is complete bullshit. So yeah, just ended on FCC. We kind of began on a Foxconn rant. We ended on FCC rant. We had some VGA. Classic Verge cast. We had some VGA ports in the middle. A classic, a classic <laughs> Vergecast episode. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can tweet at us, Dieter. You're at Backlon. Paul's at Future Paul. I'm at Reckless. If you're a Foxconn employee and you just want to express yourself to me, I'm available to you. By the way, I did reply to that email and say, who are you? I'd love to talk to you. And then he didn't reply or she didn't reply, whoever it was. Uh, and I said, if you don't reply by the end of the day, I'm going to tweet this thing. So I just want to, I was, I, was, I try to be fair. There, there was no replies. So. But if you want to, if you work at Foxconn, you do want to talk to me. Josh and I are available to you. Uh, you can listen to why'd you push that button. Uh, that season is going great. This week is about Gmail auto replies. It is very, very funny. Uh, you should listen to it. Liz Lopato, our deputy editor, is on that episode. She's hilarious. Uh, you can listen to Kara Swisher on Recode Decode. You can listen to Kara and Scott Galloway on Pivot. You can listen to Peter Kafka on Recode Media. They're all wonderful. We'll be back next week. We got some interviews. We got a big interview. I don't want to spoil it. Got a pretty good interview coming up. I think you're going to like it. That's on Tuesdays. We'll be back on Friday talking about the week in tech. We'll see you then. Rock and roll. Paul. Promo code. It's just A-I-A-K-M-5-G. What makes that so hard to believe? Well, leave us alone. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Please leave us alone. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.